Hello, and welcome to Heroes Prefer Crossbows, the podcast that's like downgrading your gameplay count to one game because you're in a new relationship. I'm Greg Smith. I'm Matt Smith. No relation. And I'm Lindsay. In this episode, we're going to talk about PAX East 2018. Catchphrase? Question mark? Question mark. Who discovered this game? It was kind of discovered, I feel like, by Matt and myself simultaneously. Yeah, it was one of the first things we came across as we uh, wandered to the indie section of PAX. Um, and I did you did you come across it because there was screaming? I, I, I want to say that, and there there was also a, a pretty sizable crowd uh, gathered around mm. the booth, and it was a pretty large booth. Um. Lindsay, do you want to explain the the premise of jousting time? I I certainly can. Um, the reason it was such a large booth, just I think, needs to be stated that it's because they had two saddles set up um, where people could sit in duel. So the idea is that jousting time is a VR game uh, between I believe it's just two players um, where. You set up a character, you get to choose a weapon, and you get to joust each other. But the sort of key point, I guess, or, or what's going to bring people to this game, I think, is that Screaming. sort of the louder you <laughs> shout, the faster your your horse goes, which, by the way, is a rocking horse. It's not a real horse. I think there's a stomping uh, element as well, too. Stomping? There's stomping? I didn't see stomping. I, I, maybe, maybe, maybe they were just getting into it. I saw... When I, I saw this game, I saw one person face off somebody who was not willing to make any noise at all, and they screamed decisively, and this resulted in devastating decapitations. Oh yes, yes, they won by a large by a large margin. It's it's amazing that these people were screaming as loud as they could, and it, I'm surprised you couldn't hear it more than thirty foot feet away because Pax is just that loud. But I think I don't know how you would play this in any other setting but i really want to well i think i think one of the really interesting things about this game is that it has uh an interactive audience element as as if, if you are uh sitting at home with your oculus rift or your htc vive you can actually uh spectate a game as an audience member from the stands and, uh. and cheer on uh, another player in an observer mode um, which, which I think is a really interesting uh, take on uh, just just virtual reality in general. Does that um, affect the outcome? Uh, I don't. I don't think it does. I think. I think as far as I could tell, the the participants uh, yelling is really what drives the. I mean, I think it must affect the outcome because it's going to get those 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 com- competitors pumped up. Well, I'm sure it has. Yes, I'm sure it has. I mean, in in the sense that any audience interaction has an effect on the outcome of a game. And and from what I can tell, it is a game that's just about getting as pumped up as you can yes in a um, weird environment and we should mention that it is it is currently on kickstarter um i just 
I just got really sad thinking about somebody playing this online by themselves at home and screaming as loud <laughs> as they can. And I feel like it's a game that you 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 almost have to have at least. Uh, it would it'd be a good party game. I feel like it'd be a good party game in a like a, a music studio with soundproofing. Yes. No, I mean I think this game is awesome. I would love to play it. Um, you as you mentioned, it's on Kickstarter. They only have sixteen hundred dollars out of their twenty three thousand goals so far. I just kicked them some money because I want them to make that. It's I want pretty them to criminal. Make that game. The the name of the, the 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 game company is called Trebuchet, as in the medieval siege weapon. As in the Age of Empires two weapon. Oh wow, that's right. It's a deep cut. Didn't know that. It's it's semi semi deep. I guess for for me, Age of Empires two was like a, a huge part of my life because I had a friend who was super into it and got everyone else into it and. Age of Empires 2 land parties in college was legit. It, it it was a seminal RTS. There were also a lot of arguments about what type of type of elephants were better, like African or Asian elephants. I don't remember which is better. One's bigger, one's friendlier. I don't know the deal. Oh but boy, I never got that into it. Some friendships were lost over that. <laughs> That's pretty serious. Anyway, uh, the you should all go to Trebuchet's uh, Kickstarter page and donate uh, to get it made because it's pretty it, it's pretty fun. It seems pretty fun, and I, I hope uh, they uh, are able to meet their goal. Best of luck to them. What What's Evergate again? I already forgot that. Evergate. Oh, yeah, yeah. Evergate. That's the one I dragged you over to. So I was wandering around the indie show floor, and I like to look at look for the, like, the very shy-looking developers that don't have a lot of people, but their game looks good. This is one of them. Uh, it's by Stone Lantern Games. It's coming soon, quote-unquote, to Steam. It's a puzzle platformer, and I personally, like, of all the games that you can demo at PAX, puzzle platformers are the ones where I feel the most, like, pressure to succeed because I'm pretty good at these games, and I feel like my being good at these games is at stake when I'm playing them with an audience. Um, So it's a puzzle platformer. You're a little ghost. You kind of bounce around. And the mechanic, I don't even know how to really describe. But basically, there's boxes in the environment that look like they're kind of made of metal. And you could uh, press the shoulder button. It was on PC, but I was playing with an X-Bone controller. You could press the shoulder button to kind of pause time so you'd stay stationary, like if you're in the air or something, to make jump shots easier to hit. And then you'd press another button to like fire a beam between you and the thing and anything in between you and that box would be interacted with. If it was a gem, it would be collected. If it was a bad guy, it would maybe be killed. There are some complexities that I struggle to articulate now. Um, And it was definitely not easy. Uh, They didn't do a lot of hand-holding, and they threw a lot of stuff at you pretty quickly. Um, But I really enjoyed it a whole lot. And because, as as I mentioned, I had the... Uh, the performance anxiety, I said, hey, how, how far do people usually get in this demo? Uh, do people usually finish it? And they said, well, there's an extra level, so I don't really, even though you finished it, I don't know how well you did, but it turns out I did finish the extra level, so humble brag. Actually, that's not humble. I'm great. I'm the best. Um, and then I was so impressed with this game, I dragged Matt over to play it. Uh, what, what was your impression of the game? Um, I was immediately struck by how good it felt to jump in, in that game. Yeah, uh, it, it had a certain lightness to it that uh, was immediately uh, impressive to me. Um, it took me a little while to, as you mentioned, it, it does not hold your hand at all. It took me a little while to sort of understand the the general concept and the general uh, 
puzzle-solving mechanic uh, that one need employ to proceed in the game. Uh, but once you uh, provided me with a little instruction, um, I was able to proceed, and it, it, it's a lot of fun. It's got some great, uh, some great art. Um, you you play. I, it, it looks like you're a ghost of some kind. Uh, a very yeah. Call, they ghost. call it a spirit. A spirit. They call they it, on their Instagram page. They they say the little spirit is waiting for you at at this booth. Well, well, well. Time out. Is a ghost and a spirit a different thing? I mean, I'm just saying the language that they use to describe the character. Okay. That is a whole other conversation. That I, hope it's, I, I don't know if it's important I, to them. I, right? I think the idea is you're supposed to be like. <laughs> journey like traveling through the afterlife or purgatory or something yeah they, they definitely mentioned something about how you died recently yeah and that they're going to tell you a little bit of a story about your life and you're chasing a frog around as if to reminisce about your childhood times chasing frogs as we all once did it it definitely pulled in in the short demo that we played it definitely seemed to introduce some interesting narrative uh, ideas uh, about death and the afterlife I- I really just want to kill the caterpillars and collect the precious gems personally. <laughs> it it definitely seemed like a game that could get easily exponentially more difficult uh, as 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 you proceed through it. Yeah, the difficulty was a kind of difficulty that I also think was a little bit like every time you try, you get a little closer. So it might just be it's hard to say from just a demo, but it might be one of those like it's just a matter of time until you solve it, which is nice because you might it might not be a game where you get stuck on. And it is satisfying to complete. So I don't know. That's my hope for it. I hope it's kind of, I hope it's candy. For me, puzzle platformers are like delicious, delicious candy. And I just want to eat them. Eat yeah. them they all. are for me as well. As long as like there's pretty things to look at oh, and yeah. a character that I care about. And mm-hmm. fortunately, I think for this game, it has both of those things. Like yeah, it, it seems like it's going to have a lot of really good hidden storytelling that it's going to unravel as you go through. And it's got a precious spirit baby. Right. I think I think it's uh, art art is a is a big when you when you're going through packs and you're just absolutely surrounded by games and and everybody's, you know, trying to get your attention. I feel like uh having having really interesting art is is, you know, the sort of uh proverbial uh honey that 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 brings in the flies. It's really funny how with like mainstream games it's quote unquote graphics, but with indie games it's quote unquote art. Right. <laughs> funny it's, how that works. They're the same thing, but they're also they're not. I think that was probably. I think you were the one who saw Fatal Velocity and probably and probably recommended that we go check it out. But uh, I don't know what first drew you to it, but for I when you when I first looked at it and I saw kind of what the stages looked like, I was on board. How did you find this one? Uh, I, I found this one because I will be completely honest in saying that I Googled, uh, game, like cool games to check out at PAX East. <laughs> <laughs> with, with a whole lot of typos. I That's how he spent like Saturday night after we got back from day one. It was just like, okay, what did I miss? So I can check them out I, on day I think two. It, I think it was games radar that recommended it. Um, shout okay. out to games, to games radar. Um, and, uh, at that point it was a pretty short article cause, uh, obviously PAX was still going on, but, uh, I, tried, I, I was going to portmanteau short an article, but that's shardicle, and I. Well, I <laughs> anyway. Yikes! That's just by range move. range one incorporated. Range plus it's an one. Access. Range plus one, right? Like in Dungeons and Dragons, and we sucked. <laughs> we sucked at this game. Oh yeah, I you I only gave it about uh, I don't know like two minutes of playtime before I was like Greg, 
you you try this. Um, it, it, well, I think we probably both fell victim to this. So what's going on in this game is you're a Spider-Man. You're not really Spider-Man, but you are a Spider-Man. And uh, you are a, ma- a man with some of the qualities of spiders, maybe a woman, I'm not sure. And you are flying around a 3D battle arena with other players. You can boost, you can grappling hook, and you use uh, traversal is kind of the main mechanic of the game. You can shoot things, but the things that you shoot seem to be like bump people around. So they're those are part of the traversal too. And the idea is in a Super Smash Brothers-esque fashion to push people off the stage, push them into things that kill them. And there's a little bit of that, uh, since the ninja rope, the grappling hook, the spider web, what, what have you, is a, a key movement mechanic. It reminds me of my days playing Worms Armageddon and the other Worms 2 and the other Worms games where the ninja rope was uh, a crux of the community in those games. Um, and it looked like pretty, it was like cyber utopia, I guess. How would you describe it? Uh, that's, that's a good, yeah, it, it, it almost, it almost feels like a caricature of a video game. Like if you were to be like, (laughs) like describe it to like, imagine what a video game looks like. And like (laughs) like if the Simpsons were going to show what a video game looked like or something, Yeah, that's, that's sort of what, uh, it looks like right now. I mean, it's not like top of the line graphics, but they're pretty, they're, 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 they're pretty enough. Um, I think it's definitely a game that focuses more on the the mechanics than than the, the graphics. Yeah, uh, it was like there were grassy floating islands in the sky with cyber stuff. I th- but like saying that makes it sound terrible, but it was gorgeous. Yeah, it, it's definitely a pretty game, and um, uh, it, it's one of those games. I think that um, it, it will take some time for any given person to master the traversal. And I think that's really sort of like what the learning curve is, is just getting used to the controls and understanding how to move yourself and how to manipulate the tools at your disposal to take out other people more effectively. Right. I think we both fell prey to learning what the boost button was. And if you don't, if it's the first thing you try and you don't know any other mechanics yet, the boost button is the uh, plunge me to death immediately button. Yes, it, it basically the boost button introduces the the titular fatal velocity, right? Which is pasted across the screen as a dire warning at any time you're flying fast enough that you would die if you hit something, and it it brings you right to that speed. And I, what I was starting to find over the course of my like five minutes playing it was that I would only want to use that to adjust, like if I was flying at fatal velocity backwards i might use the boost to even myself out yeah it's your it's your oh shit button oh shit which was kind of i think oh shit is kind of a summary of the experience it it seems like it's a game that's got a lot of promise um it it is definitely uh a very early accessy yeah i felt like frustrated by actually trying to kill people in it but when i was just like moving around i was having a good time so it might have been like my loadout wasn't good for me or i just needed time but i would i'm definitely going to keep an eye on it yeah it's 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 a really interesting concept in in a sea of you know of first person shooters um it's an interesting first uh first person experience so that's early access i think you said 12.99 for now and then probably more when it comes out i guess presumably and, and it is it is on steam $1,700 $1,700 when it comes out. <laughs> Excessive. Who found Zarvit? Uh, so, so Lindsay and I came across Zarvit. Zar- Zarvat? Zarvit. Zarvit. I, 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 I'm leaning into the this is probably wrong pronunciation. Zarv, Zarvot? 
could be like that. marmot. It's a marmot with from space. Sure, sure. The podcast screeches to a halt. <laughs> I'm waiting um, for Matt to explain it. <laughs> um, well, we. I, I was. I was. I was going to pass pass the ball to you, Lindsay, since since. Well, I didn't. I didn't play it. I feel like you should. You should explain your experience all with right, it. All I right. watched it. I was a spectator. Um. All right. Sure. So so Czar, the the Z game that we've been describing, um, is a game that is made by uh, Snow Hydra. Uh, games, which is an incredible name for a game company. We've we've come across some really incredible uh, names for for indie game companies in this the the research we've done for this podcast. Um, it's in closed beta right now. Um, you can sign up for that closed beta on their website, which is snowhydra.com, um, and they claim it will be available for the Wii U, the Xbox One, PC, and Mac. But what is it? Wii U. That's it's, interesting. That's, that's what it says. It's an interesting choice. Um, we, yeah. maybe, that maybe, website might be old, huh? It, it, may just <laughs> it not still be says updated. it, though, actually. Wow. Um, I really forgot what the Switch was called for a second. Right? I didn't know. <laughs> that's how you're like, the Wii U. I was like, oh, yeah. Interesting. Interesting choice. Um, anyway, it is, it is a top-down arena PvP game um, where you are con- in control of a, a tank-like cube. Um, it's it's very. Uh, I'm trying to think of the word to articulate it, but to the, to the tune of heart shaped box, it's tank shaped box. Yes, exactly. Um, the graphics are are very. There's it's it's a very low poly count game. Um, the graphics are very simple. Uh, the projectiles are all just sort of geometric shapes, and the boundaries are mostly just geometric shapes. So it's a very sort of um, plain uh, pastel art style. Um, but the point of the game is you are one of four of these tank cubes um, and you have various attacks you can use to fight the other tank cubes. You can shoot like a machine gun style attack. You can hold down a button to do a big old charge attack that can shoot through walls. Um, you can jump. You can do like an area of effect attack. How does uh, jumping work in a top-down game? Is it just for jumping over obstacles? Yeah, it's, it's, like... it's for jumping over, like hopping over walls and stuff. Um, and, okay. and, and you can also dash to quickly avoid attacks. And it's extremely fast-paced, um, e- extremely fun and, and frantic. Um, and uh, it, it's it's crazy because, like, you can, for instance, you know, right at the beginning of the game, somebody can get lucky and do a charge shot that goes all the way across the map and hits you and knocks you off. So it's it's sort of got also got a little bit of a Smash Brothers element. Um, you, you do have health, but you can also be easily knocked out of the arena. Um, and it, it strikes me as a as a very fun um, two to four player combat arena game um, that uh, I, I think would be uh, a good game to play at a party or just with a group of friends. We need to play those kinds of games more. I don't. I, I feel I like those. Like... I feel like I feel like couch couch games in general have sort of faded in popularity just because developers lean into the idea that people can play games online and this but we can totally play them online we just have to all get it yeah this doesn't actually i'm I'm looking at their website right now and it doesn't make it clear whether or not uh it supports online play i i would assume it does um it's gotta i mean it's i mean like online play is one of the, the one of is like the keystone of the wii u experience they they call they call this the the way Zarvat is described is welcome to the stylishly minimal world of Zarvat where cute tanks fight to the death for tomatoes and glory in voxel brick arenas. 
says it all, don't it? Mm-hmm. So, B- Battle for Gay Part is a game that I played where I had a mo- more of an experience just being taught, being very sternly taught to play by a character. And I don't remember his name, but there was a this guy had had kind of had a, a militaristic approach to running a demo, and I like I loved him, and it's because he just took it very seriously, and that's the same. That's this. That's what. That's what I expect from anyone. I was going to take it seriously. He took it seriously. We all did. Uh, it's by the. It's by Slugfest Games, the makers of Red Dragon, in which I've always looked at like every pack and been like, maybe I should buy this, and I don't know what stops me. And this oh. is uh, this is the board game that you tried out, right? It's a board game. It's a it's a, it's a card tabletop game. card it's a, game. It's a, it's a deck building cooperative oh. monster brawler, brawler. So basically, you all play heroes. You can choose which hero you play. You start out with a deck of cards, which are like uh, magic items or allies that you can bring to uh, bring to you, and then you take turns. And um, every, when you set up the board, each hero gets uh, some randomly drawn monsters put in front of them based on the scenario you're, scenario you're, you're playing. And there's also a, uh, a landmark in the city of Greyport, which also has monsters in front of it. And in this case, the bank was the place. And if monsters kill any of your players, it's game over for everybody. And the monsters could also destroy the landmark, or in this case, destroy the bank, and it would have some effect on the gameplay. Um, so the mechanics were like using um, you, you take turns and every on every turn everyone can play cards and you basically cooperate to strategize which monsters to kill in which order to try to keep everyone alive and there's mechanics like um, the person whose turn it is can taunt which is to bring a enemy to them so you would definitely I think that's that ended up being a, a key part of the strategy of like this guy is, is gonna die that's taunt those monsters and keep in order to keep them alive. Um, one of the things I like about so oh right and there's all, there's all these mechanics to talk about on this one. But it's a deck building game, and I think we barely scratched the sur- surface of that. It has an ascension like if you're familiar with ascension in the card game, also a deck building game. There's a store you spend coins to buy cards to bring into your deck, and like I think we went through a deck maybe twice, so we barely had time to do that. But you would use the same characters in the same deck against uh, new scenarios that get harder in difficulty, harder bosses, uh, different scenarios means different monsters. There's different factions of monsters. Like It seemed like there was a whole lot going on that we barely scratched the surface of in a 30-minute game. And, and you were given a specific time limit for the demo, right? We were given one hour, and what the guy said was... So I was a little confused about exactly what he said, but he, I think it was, what he said was we would get something good if we beat the best time, and the best time was how quickly our group of players beat the scenario. Um, he said the majority of people actually died, so uh, that was one one way <laughs> to not win the scenario. I, I thought he said that the winning team, the best time was 12 minutes, which seemed insane. But when we won in 30 minutes, what he said was that we had the best time. So maybe what he meant was that they had 12 minutes left and they had like, you know, 40 or 50. They'd taken 40 Oh, yeah. 50 I, I, I was there for uh, the introduction of the game, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that's exactly what he had said. Yeah, that, that they had 12 minutes left. Well, we killed it because we had it in like 30 minutes. And I think 
Um, I'm not going to take any credit for this one. Uh, I'm really bad at learning board games quickly. I really need to learn from somebody because I just like can't like I don't know. I I play I I do it. I'm a long-term memory guy. I like to absorb it and then I can perform. And in this case, you're just picking up so much information quickly. Some of it spills out, uh, so to speak. But um, he was good at explaining the rules. He was good at watching correct. He was really strict about correcting us if we did something wrong. And the other people I was playing with, four, it was five people, none of whom knew each other. Um, and everyone was really good at like um, saying what to do if somebody didn't understand what to do. And also um, qu quickly agreeing on what the right thing to do was. And um, I think like the luck of the draw that brought together that kind of uh, team dynamic was what, what won us. Uh, the game is beautiful. I love the art. I, one thing I love in board games is just like cool, like physical pieces. If I'm going to play a physical game, I want that to be part of the experience. And like the tokens for the coins and the tokens for hearts for health were all like really like satisfying to like toss down. Um, and because we had the best time, he, he gave us uh, well, we got twenty dollars off the game, so I picked up a copy. Nice. Um, pretty pretty sweet. Uh, I I I love um, cooperative board games. A lot, and uh, deck building games. I I think I want to get more into. I really like Ascension, but that's the only one I've really played. Yeah, um, I, I I have I have I will be the first to admit that I have not gotten very deep in into that. I, I played I played Magic when I was in high school, and that's about as as much I as I got into deck building games, which so is a totally my, different kind of experience. Right. My understanding is that Ascension came out and it was made by. People who are Magic the Gathering uh, professional players, I think, like champions or something. And they basically wanted that kind of experience in a game that wasn't collectible, that like it was it had the deck building mechanics, but it all happened within the game with the um, and both players kind of are working with the same options and you're just building the tech uh, over the course of the game by buying cards which go into your deck so that when you play all of your cards and draw in your hand, the ones that you bought are now available to you. So you have to kind of like, you have to, you have to adapt your strategy on the fly based on what cards are available for you to buy, which is uh, something that I think is not in those collectible games because, um, well, there's, there's optimal strategies that you buy with money, I guess. Well, I, I think we'll have to, uh, now that you've got a copy of it, we'll definitely have to, uh, I'll sit down and play it sometime. Yeah, let's play it. It's, it'll be great. And it says two to five. I think I think three would probably be fun. Number of players. Yeah. Um, all right. So what do we got next here? Um, Dark Devotion. Am I the only one who played this one? You yeah, you, you were the only one. one who played that. So maybe, do we want to skip that one maybe? No, I'm going to talk about it real quick. All right, all right. Blast through it. I want to, I want to, uh, so it's by Hibernian Workshop, and I would describe it as Dark Cells meets Dead Souls. Um, I really like Dead Cells. I discovered that wait, last wait, wait, wait. Do you mean, do you mean Dark Souls meets Dead Cells? I meant what I said. <laughs> uh, I discovered Dead Cells, I think, last pack, so then got their early access and played it a lot. Um, it's a Dungeon of the Endless type. There's a bunch of these types of roguelike platformers now, I guess. Uh, there's also Rogue Legacy, I guess, is another one. Um, 
uh, and you're a, a, a cool uh, undead warrior fella who's kind of like Prince of Persia, Aladdin meets um, Pixel Zombie, and you play through randomly generated levels and get randomly generated loot and try to get as far as you can. And um, if you pick up certain types of items, you get to use them right away. Like you pick up a cool sword. And there's uh, this mechanic of if you beat the level, you unlock it for your character. Um, oh, wait, no, it's not that you get to use it right away. You, you can find blueprints during the game. And if you take the blueprint to the end of the level, you unlock it for your character. And if you die, and do, uh, you don't get to keep that blueprint. And this was really good for creating uh, a lot of tension, because you'd be in a tough spot, but have a blueprint you really want to keep, and then the stakes are really high. Um, the thing I would say, I know it's funny, I'm talking about Dead Cells instead of talking about Dark Devotion. And, and the movement in Dead Cells is the, the greatest I've, in any kind of platforming game I've played right lately. It's just traversal is just so fun. The, the fighting is really interesting and good, and it's only going to get better. Dark Devotion drew my attention because it seemed like it was like Dead Cells, but it was um, definitely much more. Oh my God, I don't know how to I don't know how to say the name of the video games. Dark Souls. Uh, <laughs> There's lots of and, D's and C's in there. So the person in front of me sucked at this game, and I was really really frustrated watching them play. They just kept dying to the first enemy. I was like, you dumbass. And then I got my turn, and I kept dying to the first enemy. What I it took me a, a couple minutes to realize that it has a stamina bar, as you know, like Dead Cells, like like Dark Cells, like like so many games are wont to have. But if your stamina was empty, you couldn't even attack or dodge. So if you like went up to an, an enemy and spammed attack, it wouldn't kill it, and then you would be you couldn't even get back away. So I think the core mechanic of Dark Devotion was like a stamina economy in a way that's kind of beyond other games I've seen, and that really intrigues me. But I didn't play long enough to really get into that because I was so ashamed. <laughs> it uh, the the mechanic of of y- you you lose your stuff if you or you lose your blueprint if you don't succeed. It reminds me a little bit of the division in, in like the dead zone. Ironically. Oh yeah, that's totally what they were going for. Um, and, and I'm sure the division is probably not the first game to use that kind of mechanic either. Just the one that comes to mind most readily. There should there should be a name for it. Yeah. That could be such a grind, like um, in a good in a good way, you know. Yeah, it's in a way it's kind of re- reminiscent of like I think right now, and I think the battle royale scene is kind of uh, helping with this. People are games where you have to um, be in really high stakes scenarios where you could really lose out big time are getting more popular because people are really appreciating the tension of that. Where I think there's a uh, mainstream gaming went through a period where they were really like unwilling to do that. Like games felt like they had no stakes because you you'd restart right away. You you wouldn't lose anything because that was seen as frustrating. Um, and I and I think I think that's one of the problems that like more relaxing games have right now in 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 that sort of uh, game economy. Like uh, Sea of Thieves, for instance. Like it. Like Sea of Thieves is a really fun game with really fun mechanics, but it just it it doesn't really feel like there's any stakes. Like there's there's nothing I, like hold like even when like a another pirate ship comes at you and and maybe you've got some loot, it's like I can just get more loot. Yeah, the thing in yeah, all of the loot is the same, so it's kind of like right. It's not you're right. It's like it's kind of like in 
uh, in, in Dead Cells, if you have an item that you really want to keep, I want this item. This is a, a special environment, a special scenario I, to me. I think if I think it's one of the one of the really like key elements of any game that has like that has loot that you get is like making that loot feel special and unique. Yeah. And I yep. think I think that's one of the things that the original Destiny did really really well. Oh yeah. Um, and I think it's one of the things that the Division struggled to do. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, and and I and I and I, I will be the first to admit that I have not played the division really since launch. So maybe it's gotten a lot. I know I've heard it's gotten a lot better. I've heard it's gotten a lot better, but I mean, like, they they generally do, you know. <laughs> That's how it works. Well, I mean, like your 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 comparison to to that with the Sea of Thieves loot and like losing loot potentially there. The the only thing that when you think you're about to lose loot that's it's just really frustrating because you're just like well i wasted all that time it's not anything specific to the loot itself which is disappointing oh yeah you you don't lose like an opportunity you don't lose an item you lose 30 minutes and that that feels uh time is your most precious commodity especially in video games and 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 i think another part of it is in sea of thieves if you get wrecked um it it's it, it feels like it, it, it might not feel like you failed it might feel like you some people who are really good just happen to be there right. yeah so, sorry like um like in a single player game that's that's easy and in, in, in dead cells it's just like i just have to perform the rules of the game are the same i just have to execute in PUBG, it feels like I feel like it works because the game is always unfair, so it's no more unfair than usual. <laughs> Man, so you... it's just so again, it does feel like it comes down to performance in the, in the, somehow. Could you imagine that if if PUBG introduced a system where like there were like exclusive like gun skins or exclusive uh, like uh, outfits that you could only get if you found them in game and then won the game? I've I've oh been I, I've, I've thought of that before because they have clothing that spawns all over the map in PUBG and when I first started playing the game that confused me because I thought it was there for a reason. It's not. Um, so I would just be like, hey, purple parka, I look so good. Um, and that was, and like to me, like character customization and especially if you can customize an outfit, not just like get a skin, but like, oh man, check out my yellow floral uh hawaiian shirt and my aviator sunglasses and my blue jeans you know like the, that was that. in the division as well yeah yeah i loved it in the division that's me too one of, like in the division like had really awesome character customization and so did uh its successor um wildlands is that ghost recon wildlands yeah i don't even know if that's a successor it feels like i one. mean it was another <laughs> tom clancy ubisoft ubisoft game uh so in that sense yeah yeah. Okay. For sure. Then. Um, anyway, uh, should we should we move on? Yeah. All right. Um, Lindsay, want, do you want to talk about Tales of the Neon Sea? I know I know I was the one who played it, um, but but I feel like uh, it spoke I, to you. I, yeah, I think I made him play it. So like we were <laughs> we were walking by this booth, and like you were like you were saying, Greg. What I think is really interesting is, um, you know when this is something I was just kind of contemplating the other night after PAX was like, initially PAX was all about sort of the AAA games and the big franchise games. Um, and then they introduced the idea of, of having that indie mega booth where you had like a concentrated area of just indie games for you to check out. 
and it was really small and then it started expanding more you know every year it would be bigger and bigger and then now you're at a point where pax has it still has what they're calling an indie mega booth but it's still but it's surrounded by just more indie games and yeah, yeah. Indie, really indie sprawl right I mean, basically it's, yeah, it's that never really that never came to my conscious mind but i definitely was kind of confused about that when i looked at the map like the indie mega booth that looks too small that doesn't look right right exactly and we were like there was a point where i was looking at the map because we were looking for a specific developer um and it made me realize that we were in the middle of these indie games that technically weren't part of the indie mega booth and then i had this like existential crisis of like what is <laughs> an indie indie mega booth what, what is what a makes a game? mega booth <laughs> right where does it end and, and begin and like why you know um and and what ended up happening is on sunday matt and i just had time um he and i to kind of wander around the little the little nooks and like corners that you end up missing in packs mm -hmm. and we found tales of the neon sea sort of it was in a literal corner of the exhibition hall up towards blizzard actually and if this is just they're just indie games everywhere you could walk every corner and, and miss one and go through the same aisle and, and see a new game every time and we were going around this corner and i saw um there there were like four i think it was four pc laptops just set up uh, demoing this game and i saw somebody playing as a cat and i was like uh this person is playing as a cat we're gonna stop and you're gonna play this game and i want to watch all up in this cat sim <laughs> right and so matt started from from the beginning of the mission and you actually start as uh, a detective and it's in this sort of it's a very like blade runner sort of uh inspired genre world or like ghost in the shell it kind of feels like that like it's it's a mm -hmm. it's a sci-fi noir Cyber, cyberpunk sort of, right pixel art uh like adventure game um it's it's point and click and you start as a, a detective and there's there's like there are ais that you interact with um and then you become a cat for another level and <laughs> it's, so it's, did you get turned into a cat have you always been a cat you the, he has a cat so part of their their marketing and 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 their uh the images that they had up and everything was um sort of a, a view of the back of these this pair of of a detective wearing the fedora and uh, just a, just a cat and i think the cat's name was the cat's name william a lot of the cats the cat's name i think was william yeah a uh, lot of the cats have human had, like regular people names which i really liked for some reason absolutely and it, um, the cat gets like deep into like like there's like this cat like organized crime that he has to like like he has to <laughs> he has to like get help from from what's clearly like this like boss cat that like has a bunch of minion cats <laughs> There's there's two types of pet names that I like naming pets after humans and naming pets after different types of animals. I can be I can be on board with that. Mm. It's different, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it, it it brings a different level to it because the the detective starts talking to the cat William. It's like, oh William, it it just you know it it treats the cat as as such an individual character, which I. I really appreciate it. And there's sure, like this yeah. whole, this whole underworld of the cats. And then this world of, of this detective interacting with, um, AIs, like in some sort of futuristic environment. Does this maybe occur in the same universe as Isle of Dogs, the new Wes Anderson? Per perhaps film? it does. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, and that's a game 
I believe, by a company called Palm Pioneer, uh, who who are yeah, a Chinese developer. Um, which I thought was interesting because I feel like you don't see a lot of Chinese games that aren't specifically targeted for a Chinese audience. Is it um, going to come out only for the Palm Pilot? Is that what I meant to infer by the, from, from yes, their from their name? Precisely. Palm Pilot, yeah. Palm Pilot. Uh, it, yeah. It is going to be. It is actually PC only. I think. Um, okay. Interestingly enough. I feel like I feel like point and click adventures usually have their their birth on PC. Um, yeah, they're. I think they're. I mean, the, the genre is made for the mouse. Agreed. Otherwise, they would call it the fiddle around with the controller and click. <laughs> um, awkward. The gardens between. The gardens between. Um, this is one you were really excited about, Matt. Uh, yeah, I saw this game for the first time at PAX last year, I believe, and it has it has gotten a fair amount of press and attention. Um, the The company that made it, uh, they're called the Voxel Agents, and they are very well known for their game Brothers: A Tale of Two Sons. Uh, the bummer simulator. The bummer simulator, as Greg what, has. Uh, what platform did you play that on, Matt? I forget. I am pretty sure that was a PS4 exclusive what i thought i seem to remember you playing it on console and i can't remember if it is also if this new game is also ps4 exclusive like i can look that up maybe um it does say that it is coming to ps4 in 2018 um oh, oh it, actually it is not it is not exclusive though um it's coming to ps4 but it's also going to be on windows and mac via steam um, so it's, which i thought it, was really it's, interesting it's a lot a... of the indie games were coming out for, we're coming out on Steam and PS4. A lot of exclusion from the Xbox world. I mean, seemed. yeah, there's, there's a lot of companies that uh, sign. It seems like they sign contracts for console exclusivity. So it's either going to be like you know, on console, it's either going to be exclusive to PS4, exclusive to Xbox. But then when it comes to to PC, it's sort of you, you do whatever you want. Yeah, it's just something I noticed this year. It seemed like a lot more of the indie games were coming to. If it was exclusivity to a console, it was more PlayStation than Xbox. I, I think I think Sony has always leaned into indie games in a in a more significant way than uh, than Microsoft has ever done, um, or even Nintendo has ever done. Although it seems like until now, until now, they're they're definitely getting more into that. It seems like the Switch in a lot of ways is sort of like the perfect platform for indie the, games. The Switch is the is the indie game machine right now. Like yeah. as much as the PC is like um to me like a lot of the indie games I like are platformers and Nintendo is designed to be good for platformers like that controller like the real controller experience. Like even even now when I play a platform game and I play it on a controller like an xbox controller with that like weird d-pad that's kind of soft and squishy um i want a crispy like like clear clicks d-pad experience and the switch offers that because like on the joy con each of the arrows is basically its own button right right i mean i think yeah. i think the switch that's what i want more than anything else is just like a it's it's a platform that obviously can't compete with um, the graphical prowess of of the PlayStation Four and and uh, the Xbox it, One X with their and, with and their but I don't think it really needs to right exactly with these platformer games like it, it there's so many things and and on top of that as well like this 
playing on Switch is is a pick up and go mentality. And a lot of these platform type games, like you can you can, you know, just pick up your Switch and play for 15 to 20 minutes in between things and then, you know, set it down and come back to it later and it's not like it's it's harming your experience. Oh yeah, you know? I, I completely agree. And I think that um it it it's 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 uniquely suited to both um embrace its uh lower technology threshold and also the fact that it's portable and you can you right. know Let, let's all learn a lesson from the switch and if if we if we let go of comparing ourselves to others we can become great exactly anyway the gardens between well which unfortunately <laughs> is not available on switch or at least it hasn't been announced for switch not, yeah um, <laughs> uh, like i said it is by uh, the voxel agents uh, makers of brothers at Two sons um and it, it is a uh, a puzzle game um where you you actually it's it's you explore a series of of islands um that are it's very surreal um they're like giant it's it's filled with like a lot of 80s 90s nostalgia items like old crt tvs and old like game consoles with cartridges and um you know images of of childhood from the 80s and 90s um and you you move these two characters through uh these these circular islands um and you actually don't control the characters themselves you control time so you you manipulate time uh to overcome obstacles and move them through the environment oh i played this last year did you okay yeah i just realized what game this was yep (laughs) um and it first of all looks absolutely gorgeous um it has really incredible art uh and, and graphics um it it has the same sort of a at- very different kind of game, but the atmosphere very much reminds me of like Monument Valley, um, and sort of it's just the tone, spacey aloofness slash nostalgia fuel fuel, um, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm I'm really excited to play it. I I, inf- I actually have not played it myself, but I watched somebody play it. Uh, I watched over their shoulder for about oh. ten minutes. I um, played it for the duration of the demo last year, and my takeaway was that. I loved the potential. It seemed too easy. Um, and it's really difficult to see from a demo, like, is it because the ramp up is slow or because it's too easy? Like, I don't know. Uh, jury is still out on that. I'm definitely excited to try it, uh, try it out again. Yeah, I'm, 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 it, it is, it is coming out. Um, I believe in 2018. Yeah. I don't think that they've specified beyond just sometime this year. And to, to PS4 and uh, and Steam, right? PC, uh, PC and Mac actually. So. Who likes coffee? I do. <laughs> Lindsay, tell especially us about like coffins. I especially like to fight with coffee. Wait, um, so are you holding? So in coffins, the game by Sweet Bandits, which was released in March on PC, mm-hmm. are you holding cups of coffee? Like, what exactly is going on with the coffee? You are so it's it's like uh it's a so Coffence is a fighting game. <laughs> the subtitle is "Fight Till the Last Drop." Mm, you basically good. play. I think it, it's a, a two to four player game. Um, you can you're, you're basically playing as a barista, each of you, <laughs> and you have a cup of coffee in your hand. Um, and your coffee cup has a certain amount of coffee in it, and the idea is that you. You, you like sling your coffee cup and you aim your coffee cup and hit your opponent with the coffee cup and try to knock coffee out of their coffee cup. 
um, everybody's coffee cup is colored. So what happens is that you knock coffee out of their their coffee cup, it sort of goes up in the air as the color of their coffee cup, and you can try to steal coffee from them. Um, and whoever ends up losing all of their coffee at the end loses. Can you change like where your coffee cup is holding so they can't hit it? Um, I, I mean, you can move the character, but I don't believe you can really change the the cup so much. You're, it, you have to. Everybody should look this this up because you're sort of sitting there. Um, it, all of the characters are very posed. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's, they're standing there. One hand is on your hip, and the other one is sort of holding <laughs> holding your cup out like, very <laughs> delicately, okay. sort of fighting that way. Um, which adds uh, just uh, okay. another level of ridiculousness to so it. So they're not they're not shyly holding the coffee away from each other. They're they're gung ho about what they're doing. Oh yeah, but also you know very politely um, holding their holding their cups as as one would. Yeah, um, I mean it's a, it's a mark of the trade. You should be it should be courteous. You you have sort of the the general sort of uh, a lot lot of coffee connoisseur uh, archetypes. There's there's a there's a barista. There is a uh, a sort of a, a hipster-looking character, a high-powered business executive, yep. and also, uh. I, also what looks like a pirate character. Um, hey. A bunch of silly stages, including uh, like a pirate ship and uh, an office, and uh, well, a- actually, it looks like the environments match the characters, so um, that makes sense. Right. There's 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 one in space with like. Um, some sort of random space station in the background and like pink floral plants surrounding you, you know, normal sort of space environments. Can I go on a, a video games and coffee tangent? Please. Yes. I, I've been starting to play a little bit of Animal Crossing New Leaf again, the greatest game of all time. Goodness. And um, one thing that happens in that game is that you can build a coffee shop, and one of my favorite characters is Brewster, the owl who is a barista. And um, <laughs> you can buy coffee from him for 200 bills. I do that every day. And he well, you can either choose, give me the usual, or I'll have something different. And if you say, I'll have something different, he'll give you a random question that you can't control that you answer. And um, it plays a beautiful little like harmonic thing. And your character, like the the, the narrator, that says, um, mm, "That coffee is so good," or something. Um, and basically, the statement it gives you about how your coffee was is determined by what you got. So when I played this game every day for an entire year and unlocked like everything, um, I would get my coffee and it would say, "That bold flavor!" Dot 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 exclamation mark. Uh, that is the taste of sophistication, and I thought that was kind of the perfect coffee description to represent me. And at some point, he, I, I said to him, eh, give me something new. And um, I never could find that bold flavor again, and I spent, uh, and I stopped playing, and then, you, then for years I thought about that bold flavor that I would never experience again. But when I started playing, I realized, finally, if he asks you if you want milk and you say no milk at all, that is what brings the bold flavor. And finally, oh. my Animal Crossing life is almost complete. However, every time I get that bold flavor, which I have very little control over because he's forgetful, if you just say, give me the usual, and you've had the thing only once, he'll just give you something random. So I haven't yet reestablished with Brewster the 
I don't know if it's rapport or if it's just his memory, but I I, I'm, I haven't gotten back to the, that bold flavor every day just yet, and that is my current Animal Crossing New Leaf goal. That is such a complicated process of getting coffee in a video game that I really appreciate. And, and it's it's not important. It doesn't unlock anything. And I think maybe as a result of that, nowhere online could I find that bold flavor. Like, no one actually had documented what the various coffees taste like. Probably because it doesn't, doesn't matter, but it mattered to N- me. Nobody nobody probably gave it the, the amount of thought that you did. But well, you know what? I, there was, I, except for the person who programmed it. But other people probably had a very similar experience. Where, yeah, I think And I so think too. that that's what happens in, in these games like this is like you you have this part of this game that's built into it that is actually extremely complicated and adds like this whole other level of richness to this experience that doesn't really directly impact your character or push anything forward. But you know, Greg just explained this whole story and it, like, obviously it was very memorable for him. Yeah. And I think that there's no doubt that other people experience that as well, which is just what makes that you know that game incredible for for that audience. I, I think for, for anyone else. I think what this illustrates to me more than anything else is that there is a huge uh, untapped potential for a coffee shop simulator untapped game. Potential. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Th- there should definitely be more coffee in video games. Yeah. I think I think there've been some coffee shop simulators, but I think they're always like. You know, like mini game, push button at the right time to make the whipped cream go on it, and I I want um, I want a a game that is that is a deeply threaded narrative, that it, that that it's 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 a coffee shop simulator on the surface, but underneath is like a really deep narrative with with really interesting characters. Well, Maybe unfortunately, a... that is not coffins, but it might be a start. <laughs> Um, what if it's like a, a fighting mystery, game about mystery, coffee? What if it's like a mystery game and there's a plot point where you sip the killer's coffee and you say, that's not the bold flavor. He loved the bold flavor. And it's a whole different game. <laughs> there's yeah. so many different... The co- coffee branches out into so many different genres. Uh, so another game that I've uh, been following very closely uh, for quite a few years now and uh, has once again made an appearance at PAX East uh, is the game Below by Capybara Games. Um, it was a game that was first announced, I believe, in 2013, and I saw it for the first time uh, at PAX East, I think, 2014. Um, and uh, Capybara, if you don't know them, they are the makers of the very popular and very good uh, um, Super Brothers Sword and Sorcery um, which is an old school 2D pixel art game that came out. Uh, original the ultimate Sonic iPad experience, yeah, if it, I recall correctly. It, absolutely. And it was originally an iPad exclusive. I think you can get it on pretty much any platform now. With an unreal soundtrack by so Jim good. Guthrie, who is also the composer for this game. Yes. So what's this uh, game about? Mentioned. So Below is a, uh, a roguelike um, it's, it's, Go on. Uh, it's, it's definitely in the vein of a sort of a, a 2D uh, sort of Dark Souls style game in the sense that you mm. can very easily die and you try and collect. It's, it's, it, it's probably less like Dark Souls and more like Zelda. I think it's more heavily exper- uh, influenced by Zelda, um, at least in terms of its art design um, and the overall combat experience. Uh, at least that. I, unfortunately, I did not get to play it at PAX this year, but I did see other people play it. Um, and we I've, we played it at previous. Yeah, we played it. We played it. I think in 2014, um, yeah. and it's a game. 
right now uh, polygon.com has a great article about it actually uh, about how it has been uh, in development now for quite some time and uh, they actually ended up pretty much rebuilding the game from scratch it was apparently originally a game that was uh, 90% 2d art um, and 10% 3d art and they essentially flipped that so that it's now 90% 3d and 10% 2d which is pretty insane um which also explains why it's it's taken so long um they they basically remade it yeah they basically remade it from scratch um and it is supposedly and hopefully coming out uh this sometime in 2018 uh for xbox one and pc um and uh it is it is a game primarily about survival and it is i i don't think exploration yeah exploration they they don't i don't i want to say that they don't like to use the word the words procedurally generated um, but that's that's a sort of uh, I think the experience they're going for um, that it's it's supposed to be unique um, every time you go through um, and it's it's it's, uh, it's 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 brutal and very easy to die and uh, also hauntingly beautiful um, uh, in in many ways. So I yeah. think if somebody's not willing to say procedurally generated, but they brought it up, that's a recipe for this disappointment. Yeah, they, well, they say the environments are randomly generated, so there's that uh, slightly different word to use there. Yeah. And they said the game, uh, on the Wikipedia page, the game is designed to be difficult with, quote, brutal but fair combat and permanent death. It, it does feature permadeath, so if you, if you die, you, you start over. And apparently it's going to have oh, a like multiplayer it. mode. So. Oh, really? Uh, I had not heard about that. So. That's what they're saying. Like a yeah. co-op mode? Um, I mean, that remains unclear. It's just, uh, it's noted here that that is a possibility. I think it's from, um, a Polygon article, actually. I've, I've, I've really been excited to play, uh, I, I really love Super Brothers Sword and Sorcery, so I've been really excited to play, uh, Below for a while now. It's, it's been I one of those games that's game. always been on my list. I love that game as an experience, but when you had to, like, change the time zone on your iPad, spoiler warning, to solve yes. a problem, it was like, fuck this shit. I think that's actually where I got stuck, and I was like, I don't Me understand. Too. And and I, I feel like this was, like, I started playing this before Matt and I started dating um, a long time ago, and he we started talking about it. And he was just like, yeah, so the lunar phases? And I was like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> Uh, I mean, let let let's. I don't. I don't want to go out and say that that Sword and Sorcery was a perfect game by any stretch of the imagination. But I think uh, it was it was one of the the best and most successful iPad games to come out, uh, no question. And I think it uh, it harnessed an enthusiasm for retro gaming that has only snowballed since then. Um, and uh, I'm I'm just excited to see how. Uh, Capybara takes that momentum and, and rolls with it. And the the soundtrack for it, um, along with the transistor soundtrack, are like two my two go to video game soundtracks of all time. Did, did Mr. James Guthrie do that soundtrack as well? Um, no, he did not. Darren Korb, I believe, did the transistor. But that okay. that guy does this the um, all of the super giant games, so they. Same and Guthrie has done the, yeah. the Capybara ones, but for some reason, I mean, they're just they're very unique and sort of they have the electronic kind of vibe going on. Um, good for like just working and like focus mode kind of music. But Nectar Vector, 
So Nectar Vector um, is a two to four player game. Uh, you play as you play as hummingbirds. Okay, okay, this is okay. I like that. You basically start out. Um, it's what, what was it like two D, um, sort of arena ish. You start uh, in the corner of the screen, and the idea is that you have uh, a flower that you're trying to pollinate. And so in the middle of the screen, you have different little flowers with different colors. And the idea is to grab as many of those as you can by flying through them, bring them to your flower to pollinate them, and whoever pollinates the most at the end wins. But part of the thing, part of the, the mechanics is that you can steal flowers from the other players. So if a, a player has gone through and collected a bunch of flowers, you can actually fly through their flower trail, which trails behind them and steal flowers away from them. So you're so, stealing points away. I was hoping this game would be purely about the, the, the flower pollination experience and none of this aggression or I mean, they, they, they do advertise it as a non-violent experience. That, I think that's one of their, their key selling points. Um, All right, I think, I think maybe a different podcast will have to be the is stealing <laughs> violence conversation. I'm going to leave that one on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. They, <laughs> they basically, um, on their website, it says... Uh, should you drink the nectar of your flowers to activate a flower power, or you, or can you outmaneuver your opponent and deliver the full daisy chain for maximum pollen? Whoever wins, just remember to love each other. <laughs> I choose to drink the nectar of my flower and love each other, which Lin I was going to do either way. Lindsay, Lindsay told me while we were playing that if I told any of her, if I stole any of her flowers, she would break up with me. Oh, those were her exact words. <laughs> it got dating. pretty heated. We watched a family of three play before us, and there was a lot of jumping and yelling. Which is really funny because it's such a beautiful game and such a simple <laughs> sort of it's simple and almost precious sort of um, uh, story, you know. Um, but With a sinister twist. Right. Exactly. Um, so that's going to be uh, that's going to be out for PC, Mac, Linux. I think uh, the developer is short for a night, and I I'm pretty sure it's just the one guy. And we actually spoke with him when he was there, and he was he was very nice. Um, no, no real date. 2018 at some point. Night with a K. Night with a K. Yes, short for a night. To... Is that is that like a play on like you're a little short for a stormtrooper? It might be. Yeah, it's definitely along those lines. He how seemed tall, like the kind of person to go for that name. Was he like five six? He was short, and he was he he had some uh, he had some jokes on him. Nights are big. <laughs> He's a nice. Traditionally. Dude. Um, so the next game uh, that I wanted to talk about, uh, which is actually already out, um, it's available on Steam for, I think, PC and Mac, uh, PS4, Xbox, and the Switch. It's called Perception. Um, it's from a studio called Deep End Games, which apparently contains a lot of people that used to work at the at Irrational Games studio who did Bioshock and Bioshock Infinite. And Perception is a, a really interesting game about, it's a horror game um, where you're playing as, I believe it's a woman who is blind, who has or uses a cane, which I'm not sure if you see it in the game um, or if it's just like sort of a, you press a button and you use your cane kind of thing. Oh, I remember but what game. happens is that you use the cane and you use sounds in your environment to actually see your environment. So as you're walking through, you're going through a haunted house, basically, um, and you start to understand that there's somebody in there with you. 
Um, and if you tap your cane, it, it basically sends out the, the, the way this looks in the images are really beautiful. Um, it, it sort of unveils the environment around you for a brief period of time, enough for you to move forward. And then you need to continue sort of listening for things so that it can reveal the, the world to you. When you start, um, one particular view that I saw was you're standing outside the house that you end up entering and it's very windy outside. So you don't really see the house so much as you see how the wind actually shapes itself around the house. Um, it's, it's very, it's very pretty, uh, which I think is interesting for horror, horror survival um, game. So that's something that I think is, is definitely on my wish list that I'd like to check out. I think um, Polygon actually reviewed it and gave it a 6.5, which isn't the highest. Um, yeah, I, I saw the review. I do want to check it out. Um, the fact that it's on Switch makes me feel like that's probably the way to play it. It sounds like a good plane ride or something. Yeah, I think it, so, because it, it says, like, the, the, the way that they sort of summarize it, it, it has a lot of really interesting ideas, but mechanically and narrative, it falls short a bit. Um, so, but the experience itself of just seeing that environment in that way, using sort of what they what they refer to as like echolocation, could just be an interesting experience on its own. It, it it strikes me as a game that has similarities to a game like Outlast or uh, Amnesia: Dark Descent, uh, except you're also Daredevil, uh, in in the sense that you can like. Uh, see you're blind but you can quote unquote see your environment like, like the comic book hero daredevil yes not right. like a daredevil <clears throat> like a, a stunt person like like you matt matt, matt murdoch the marvel character you don't play. do particularly dangerous backflips around a haunted house right that's a good way to describe it um if you've seen that tv show and the way that he experiences viewing it's very very similar actually yeah i thought you meant the the good way they, to describe it was that you don't do dangerous backflips. <laughs> what is the stillness of the wind? The stillness of the wind is something that I just kind of have walking through more indie areas by myself. Um, I was drawn to, uh, of course, the art style, but the the way that it's described, uh, the stillness of the wind is a game um, by Memory of God, which is part of Lambic Studios. I think it's going to be PC only. It's going to be on Steam. Um, the release date literally says when the goats are ready. Aha. Um, like it, is, it is a quiet game of life and loss. So oh. you play as this character, Talma, who is apparently the only person left in a village. And she's approaching her final years. And she you you just kind of as talma you maintain a simple lifestyle of like tending to your homestead surviving talking with people who happen by um raising like taking care of goats and apparently increase you start to increasingly get sort of disturbing letters from family in the city um and you can tell that there's sort of a tenuous relationship there um so it's it I, I played it a little bit, and I struck. To be honest, I struggled a little with the the simple mechanics of it at first. Uh, but I think it's one of those games where once you sort of get in the groove, it could be very, very peaceful, um, but also very sad. I I, I think I walked by this game without actually uh, 
giving it the attention it deserved. Um, but I remember thinking that it looked uh, very, very interesting. It, it looks like an introspective game for sure. Yeah. I, I just realized that the wind is not still. And that's the whole point. Uh -huh. Right. I figured it out. Where was Chasm? Did anybody see Chasm? Chasm? Yeah, there's a game called Chasm that I played at the last couple PAXs. I don't think it was there this year. And I it's still not out. And I I remember a like three years ago or two years ago, I played the demo. I was all in, really excited about it. And there were ones that are coming out oh, next summer, uh, which did not happen. And then I think it's they've continued to say it's coming out soon for a few years. And right now I just checked their... Steam page and it says summer 2018, but I think that it was two, summer 2016 and then summer 2017. I really want to play this game. It's by uh, BitKid Inc. and it's a platforming game uh, where you kind of like Castlevania style. The art's beautiful. It was really fun. Where's Chasm? Yeah, I, the name sounds familiar to me now that you mention it. And I was looking. I just Googled it, and the, the logo definitely rings a bell as something I. I yeah, saw. the poster looks super familiar, and I definitely didn't see it, that. It it may have. Been, I mean, there's there's so many games. It's it, we may have just missed it. I mean, there's there's a lot of games that I feel like are just especially indie games that are in perpetual development. Like there's there's a game yep. uh, called Anne. Uh, Anne. A A N N E. Uh, and uh, oh. it is it, it it is a game that I think I've seen it literally every PAX I've ever been to, um, and uh, it, it's like an incredibly beautiful pixel art game where you play as a robot named Anne. Um, it's it's sort of like a action platformer, and uh, I, I I checked on it at PAX this year, and it still seemed like there, perhaps I'm mistaken in this, but it still seemed like there was no clear indication of when it was actually going to come out, and 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 I get that you know. As an indie developer, like you're under unimaginable strain to to try and produce a high quality product, but um, you know, I, I say this At some out of point love. You have to deliver. Yeah, I say this out of love. Like I I I, I just hope that uh, it comes out and and that. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a balancing act of like, can you get more money and so on. All right, that's our show. I'm Greg. You can find me on Twitch and YouTube as Peacebeard. Um, our theme song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games. Thank you for licensing that in a way that lets us use it. I'm Matt, and I don't. I honestly don't know what my YouTube channel is. Don't 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 look for me yet. Uh, it, it, that's it's, terrible at social media. Just don't even. Bother. Yeah, don't even bother. Maybe this will You know, this will force me to actually get my shit together in that respect. Do I start? Do I start over again? <laughs> Um, no, I think that's actually, I think that's comedy gold is what that is. I don't know. Not anymore. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> Have a good week, everybody. Goodbye. Ruined. Goodbye. Saved. Ruined. <laughs> All right. That was perfect. That was. Right. Okay.